Well, here we are. First time in history. Speaker of the House voted out. So where do we go from here? This news just crossing. I'm joining you live right now, unannounced, but wanted to make sure you were caught up. This is effectively going to send the House into a state of chaos, unlike, you know, anything we've ever quite seen before. Welcome to the program, everyone. Good to have you here. We are sponsored, as always, by LegacyPMInvestments.com, 1-866-589-0560. All right, so Kevin McCarthy has been removed. He has vacated his seat. Republicans effectively joined with Democrats because, you know, politics makes strange bedfellows on this one to force McCarthy to relinquish his post. And now we, as I said, are in a greater state of chaos than perhaps we even thought was possible. Market trading down today about 500 points. The market, of course, already closing. And and part of that was a result of what we're seeing here. Part of it's also just the realization that interest rates are going to continue moving higher. But look, this doesn't look good. It doesn't look good for the United States. There's, There's absolutely no precedent for this because it's never happened before. You know, you wonder why the fall of Rome was trending (laughs) so frequently over the last couple of weeks on social media. I mean, this is really something else. You you recall, of course, that the reason this became an issue, the reason Matt Gaetz was going after Kevin McCarthy was, well, because they didn't like what he was doing with the budget. And they felt that he should just push it and push it and push it and push it and be willing to risk that shutdown. He, on the other hand, said, no, like, I don't think that that's the way that we should be going. I don't want a shutdown. I think we should try to keep the government open. I mean, let's try and keep our government open. Not, not you know, as the Democrats wanted to do, just worry about Ukraine. Um, and so it seemed like he had gotten kind of a compromise, right? He kept the government open. He stopped the funding to Ukraine and said, all right, we'll visit it again in another month. But that was not enough, and push came to shove, and here we are in a historic moment in time, ladies and gentlemen, and not something that I think anybody should really be proud of. And I say this as someone who wants to see conservatives getting conservative policies through, because let's face it, if the conservatives do not succeed in 2024 or even in the next several months, guess what? Your taxes are going up. You're going to have bigger border problems. Education is going to continue to suffer, and we're going to spend more money on Ukraine, right? Like, there's actually some pretty important things that are at stake at this moment in time. We heard earlier from Kevin McCarthy, who had this to say. I'll share it with you. Are you ruling out any sort of power-sharing agreement with Democrats or any sort of yeah, deal with Democrats? That doesn't work. Look, I, I, I'm a conservative. I'm a Republican. I'm a conservative. They want to get things done. Um, look, I, I know we live in uh, our government's designed to have compromise. But look, we're in the majority. You, you don't surrender. Do you work with the other side? Yeah, and that's what I've done. I mean, from the day I came in, I've always said I'm going to treat Hakeem the way I wanted to be treated. I think you, you've seen that. Everything doesn't have to be political. And I firmly believe when you look at history, and I, I, when I talk to the other speakers like a Boehner or uh, Paul Ryan, the first thing when they would meet, Nancy Pelosi would come, and she would simply say to him, if anyone ever did that motion, we would stand with you. 
not because of you and not because we agree politically, simply because of the institution needs to be able to stand on its own. First thing she did when she became speaker was she removed that. And you know what? It gave me the power to make that motion on her. I had a lot of Republicans that wanted me to do it. I never did it. Did Nancy and I get along? No, we, we really don't get along. But I thought the institution was too important, and I thought that was too personal. But you know, at the end of the day, keeping government open and paying our troops was the right decision. I stand by that decision. And at the end of the day, if I have to lose my job over it, so be it. But I'm going to fight for the American public, and I'll continue to fight. Thank you all very much. And indeed, he lost his job over it. You know, where was Nancy? Oh, Nancy didn't even bother to show up for this vote. So even though she had told him, oh, believe me, I'll be there for you, I'll be there for you. now, she wasn't there for you. And the Democrats and the Republicans together managed to get Kevin McCarthy out. So what does this actually mean for the future? As I've said, totally unprecedented. And I know, look, I get it, guys. Like, Kevin McCarthy, he was no panacea. But what's next, right? Like, what are we going to get? A Democrat Speaker of the House, for goodness sakes? Like, is this some kind of twisted move here? Look, here's who's maybe up for the job. I mean, they're talking about Majority Leader um, Steve Scalise, possibly, or you could have uh, the Tom Emmer, I mean, it, out of Minnesota. But they're going to face the same demands, of course, as Matt, from Matt Gates, who, along with his allies, is basically saying, do not cut any, any deals with the Democrats. And um, the problem with that, let me, let me just be a realist, okay? Like, 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 let's just cut the facade. The problem with this is that you got too many darn lawyers on Capitol Hill who don't understand how to negotiate and get things done. Because in a negotiation... People don't get everything that they want, but somebody gets something, somebody else gets something, and, you know, you kind of work it out. This is what people in business understand. This is why when you looked at the policies and some of the ways at which Donald Trump approached things, I actually thought he had a good approach and some good policies. And he was able to get stuff done. And sometimes it wasn't perfect, but it was enough and it worked. And unfortunately, we're now going to be in a situation where these Democrats are going to wind up having a whole lot more say than we really want them to have, right? Like that's the, look, the party split, I get it, the party split. But let me just say this, Donald Trump is going to be the nominee. And if we want Donald Trump to win, there's got to be some kind of unification here. You can't have everyone running around, stomping their feet, doing this, that, or the other, right? You've got to have a united joint effort to ensure that our elections are fair and free and that we, we have some kind of consensus that will back him. He is going to be the nominee. So whether you like it or not, and I realize there's some Republicans that don't like Donald Trump, but, but here's your choice, guys. It's Donald Trump or it's Joe Biden. Now, we've been living with Joe Biden, and it's not going so well, right? 
You got major inflation. Apples to apples, it's still up 16% since he came into office. You got a massive border problem that's clearly unstoppable. You're spending more money per year, per year in Ukraine than you spent per year 20 years in Afghanistan. So this is not sustainable. This is not good. Our economy is now heading into a recession. Just look at the headlines today. I mean, I do actually think, I do actually think that a lot of this is tied to, in fact, what we just were witnessing on Capitol Hill. And it makes the market a little bit nervous, shall we say, but you have a market that's down 1.29% on the Dow Jones Industrial Average, a loss of 430 points off the lows of the session, but that's not good. You got interest rates moving up on the Treasury. Kevin McCarthy, if you are just joining us, breaking news, everyone, has been removed as the Speaker of the House. It is the first time in the history of this wonderful, great, tremendous country that this has happened. And so there's not a whole lot of precedent for this. So what happens next? Like I say, we don't want a Democrat in charge. I mean, you had the Democrats voting with the Republicans on this. We do have an interim leader of the House right now that has been named. It would be coming to us live, Representative Patrick McHenry of North Carolina. He has been named as acting speaker after Kevin McCarthy was ousted in the Republican vote. Jeffries has been talked about, Hakeem Jeffries. Um, there's also the gentleman, the congressman from Florida, from Naples, who's, who's very talented, very smart. He's been on this program. And uh, what I like about him is he has a business background. He was an investor by background, as opposed to all these lawyers. Anyway, like, look, I, I'm just a realist. You know, I, I, I didn't love Kevin McCarthy, but I also... Don't love where we're going right now. And I, I need everybody, right, to be on the same page if we're going to be successful in 2024. And by the way, not just in 2024, like now. We need to be successful now because there's a lot at stake. And, and, and whether it's Joe Biden or Gavin Newsom running, because, you know, he's being floated out there too, any way you slice it, their policies on the left are not good for America. They're just not. They promise pie-in-the-sky nonsense, and what they deliver is misery. Misery for the working class, for hard-working, everyday Americans that are trying to do everything right. Their policies, Joe Biden's economy, is not helping America. Go back and look at the Trump years. We actually had the highest growth in median income that we had seen in some 50 years. Because I'll tell you, it's not rocket science. I mean, I know the guy, Larry Kudlow, my former co-host, was one of the economic advisors there to Trump, along with Steve Moore. You know, it's, it's not rocket science. They would tell you, I'll tell you. Lower taxes, bring more money back home that's overseas. Let's stop all the tax inversions. We're going to go back to that. I used to call them shotgun marriages. The fancy name was a tax inversion deal. You know, we had an American company go by a European company, usually in Ireland, because then they got a lower tax rate. So we're sending all these jobs overseas. And these idiots, these idiots in Washington, D.C., you know, Janet Yellen's been out there talking up all about this, a good game, the Treasury Secretary, along with Biden. Oh, well, we just need a, a mandate of a global tax. What is this? A global tax. 
<laughs> a global, is this part of the whole globalist effort? We'll just have open borders and one tax rate for the whole world so nobody gets a chance to compete. You know what? Good for Ireland. They want a 12% tax rate. Go for it. Companies don't want to have to make everything over there and send it back. So if you lower taxes here in the U.S., that actually makes you more competitive, allows individuals to keep more of the money, and therefore it becomes a fortuitous cycle, right? Instead, now we're dealing with unions that are obviously furious because inflation is sky high. They're not making enough money. We've got a huge economic problem, and now we, we have kind of a, a gap, a, a power gap, and a power gap is never a good thing, right? Like that's not helpful in terms of leadership. It's just not. I mean, you got a power gap, obviously, at the, on the Democrat side, because you got a guy, Joe Biden, who can barely walk. Like, let's just call a spade a spade, right? He's now in, they tell us, physical therapy because they want to make sure that he's not falling on the campaign trail. But wow. Uh, and, you know, look, again, I say this as somebody who is not necessarily his fan, but I, I'm just questioning what is next? Like, do you throw it all away? Again, with no precedent to deal with this? And you get the Democrats? The Democrats basically cheering this along? I mean, Nancy Pelosi, like, she's thrilled, right? Absolutely thrilled. Biden is thrilled. You think, could it really get this far? I gotta tell you, I didn't think it would get this far. Somebody was asking me over the weekend, Trish, do you really think that McCarthy could be gone? And I'm like, no, 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 because, you know, people are sensible. They'll pull together. You're not going to, part of this is a charade. Part of it's like, let's see how many sound bites we can get on TikTok or Twitter or whatever. I don't think that they'll really do something that would, would put us into a state that could potentially be compromising. Oh boy, I was wrong. I was wrong because now um, we're in this really uncharted territory. So again, we do have an interim speaker, um, but the reality is, is Kevin McCarthy was not able to make a last minute deal to retain the gavel. He is now going down in history as the first speaker to be ousted from the job. And uh, he's 58 years old. This was all about trying to navigate this very treacherous um, shutdown issue. I mean, you had the default earlier in the year. We we avoided that. And by the way, guys, we should, okay? Like, don't sit there and tell me you're like, okay, with the U.S. defaulting on debt. You know what would happen? Interest rates would, I mean, if you think they're going up now, they would go sky high. Because, you see, then we would really be a banana republic, right? then we really would be a credit risk. We're not going to be a credit risk. Why would you ever want to be a credit risk? You ought to know that when you put your money in the U.S. Treasury, you're going to get it back with interest, period. End of story. Full stop, right? That is what makes us the place that everybody still keeps coming back to. When the chips are down, everybody comes back to the U.S. I, lo I love it. You know, Biden's like, oh, you know, our situation is better than anyone else. You know, everybody's still flocking here. Well, yeah, duh. It's not because of you, buddy. It's because we actually do pay our bills and not every other country does. It was a 216 to 210 vote. And so what this is now doing is really showcasing, if you would, 
this total dysfunction in Washington, D.C. I'm looking at some of your live comments. Passport Bro talking about the $33 trillion in debt we've defaulted already. (laughs) You know what part of this is? Honestly, Passport Bro, I believe that we are just somehow inflating our way out of debt. Right? So if you're China and you lent the U.S. money, you'll get your money back, but it won't be worth as much. Right? You know, we're just going to keep inflating. It's a, it's a big reason to think about how you invest and to be thoughtful about your investing. Again, Representative Patrick McHenry of North Carolina, he has been named the interim speaker. He had been the, the chairman of the Financial Services Committee. He had previously said no interest in the job. You know, that's what they all say. They were not interested in the job. I guess Jeffries was the only one. Um, but there's really at this point, there's like no obvious successor. I mean, I don't think it's Gates. You know, he, he, people said, oh, you know, how about Gates for, for speaker? Well, first of all, he doesn't seem to want it either. And second of all, I, I don't think he would get the support from all the Republicans, especially after this. So we are now in a very delicate kind of position. We have um, a deadline of November 17th that is fast approaching. So we've got sort of this extension to try and deal with the, the, the money that we need to, to pay out, right, to, to pay our bills. So we have a little bit of time between now and November 17th. And if we go into a shutdown, it, it would have economic consequences. Now, how severe those consequences would be, we don't entirely know. I would, I would point to, let's see, back in 2013, I remember. I feel like I do this story every year, guys. Like, we're always on the verge of a shutdown. Sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. I think the first one was back in 81 with Reagan when he vetoed a spending bill. So back in 2013, that might have been one of the more significant ones because we did lose about $24 billion for our economy in GDP. You know, look, you can often gain it back because people are paid those wages, albeit in arrears, so you get them after the fact. But if you're a government employee that doesn't get paid in the interim, that doesn't have a job, well, it can be tough, right? Because you know, people are living very much on a week-to-week basis because in Joe Biden's economy, inflation is so high. So I, you know, I see a lot of you. I know you don't like Kevin. I mean, I don't know either. You know, he's not a man of his word. I'll tell you, he's all over the place. Like he'd say one thing and then do another. And he he didn't move quickly on the impeachment inquiry as he should have. I mean, that to me is a no brainer. And it's not like I was out there from the beginning saying, I'm not like, that's not me, right? I'm Maxine Waters, impeach, impeach, impeach. And the whole squad, right? As soon as, as soon as Trump was in there, that was all they wanted to do. I look at these cases on a very individualized basis. And the more information I have gotten in, thanks in part, by the way, to Comer and the excellent job that the House Accountability Group has been doing, the committee, to get all this information. We've learned of all the messed up stuff, really, 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 really messed up stuff that Hunter was doing. I believe very strongly McCarthy should have worked much harder to bring all of that to light. And and I'm not entirely sure why that wasn't happening. But now what do we do, right? I know that Donald Trump, by the way, I'm again, I'm looking at some of your comments. I know Donald Trump came out and said on True Social, you know, 
go for it all. Go for every, every, if you don't get everything, then he's out. Now, Donald Trump says that because it's a negotiating tactic. But again, I'm telling you, he's a businessman. Like, would he have really done this? He's a businessman. And he understands the art of the negotiation, which means maybe you ask for everything, but you're not always going to get everything. Like, that's just the way the world works. Some of you have talked about Vivek Ramaswamy, who is also impressive in that he's got lots of ideas and he's a businessman. And I think that, you know, there is, there's a lot of opportunity going forward for this country. Like, I, you know, I'm still, I always bet on America. I would never bet against America. I'm a little surprised by America right now. Right? Full disclosure. But it's, it's like, I'm continually surprised. I'm continually surprised. I'm surprised at what the Democrats have done. I'm surprised at this horrible, horrible lawsuit that was brought forth by Letitia James, who had one motive and one motive only in New York City for $250 million, that civil suit, because they want to run Trump out of town. It's like we live in freaking Venezuela, people. I mean, the banks lent him the money. They they obviously were okay with the financials. I mean, you know, if, if you want to take out a home equity line of credit, Usually the bank sends an appraiser over, and if the house doesn't appraise, you don't get the loan, right? Well, the banks were willing to lend Donald Trump the money, and guess what? He paid it all back, and somehow Letitia James thinks this is a crime. Here's Trump yesterday. We'll get back here to this speaker stuff in a minute, but you can hear the fury in his voice, and he's right to have it because of all the lawsuits. I mean, this one is really, really, really out there. Thank you very much. This is a continuation of the single greatest witch hunt of all time. We have a rogue judge who rules that properties are worth a tiny fraction, one one hundred, a tiny fraction of what they actually are. We have a racist attorney general who's a horror show who ran on the basis that she was going to get Trump before she even knew anything about me. She used this to run for governor. She failed in her attempt to run for governor. She had virtually no polling. She came back and she said, well, now I'll go back to get Trump again. And this is what we have. It's a scam. It's a sham. Just so you know, my financial statements are phenomenal. They are actually less in terms of the numbers used than the actual net worth. The actual net worth is substantially more. No bank was affected. No bank was hurt. They don't even know why they have to be involved. And they've so testified. They can't believe that they're involved because they were paid back on time. There were no defaults. There were no problems. And it was like a perfect client. In the meantime, people are being murdered all over the sidewalks of New York. There was no victim here. The banks were represented by the best, biggest, most prestigious law firms in the state of New York, actually in the country. Some of the biggest and best law firms, in all cases, the biggest and best law firms. That's who represented them. The banks got back their money. Again, there was never a default. There was never... So, I would just say, I would just say, (laughs) that's what we're up against, okay? They're going after the former president for everything, including things that have already passed the statute of limitations, 
of which there was no victim, there's no damages, and yet they're suing them anyway. The government is out of control. Totally out of control. And now we have no Speaker of the House. Look, I mean, Gates was upset. And by the way, I like Gates. I mean, and, and I, I like his He's got interesting ideas and, and a kind of enthusiasm that we need in politics. That said, you know, I, I'm also just a realist. And don't forget, I have a financial background, right? And, and, and that background was actually, I began my first job trading emerging market debt, sovereign debt, meaning the debt of countries in emerging markets and like the worst places ever, Venezuela, Argentina, Mexico, Brazil. Like this is the kind of stuff that happens there. This is not the kind of stuff that should be happening here because we got to keep the trains running on time. And how are we so broken that we cannot do that? So Matt Gates was mad because, you know, they, they had this last minute vote where they decided, okay, we'll keep things open until November 15th. And he's like, oh, you're working with the Democrats. You're working with the Democrats. And McCarthy said, no, I'm not actually. And we're not having any funding going to Ukraine. That is something that we're just going to punt on. But, you know, it wasn't enough. And so now we got this motion to vote on him being out and he's out. All that said, I mean, I guess it harkens back to where we were before. Because remember when he became Speaker of the House? How many votes did it take, guys? 13, 14, 15, right? Bingo, 15 votes to get him through as Speaker of the House. So we need a new solution. We need a new solution. You know, there's talk that maybe he'll run again. I don't think he should. I think like, you know what? It's over. It's over. Let's move on. Again, the realist in me wants to make sure that we pay our bills, that we keep our government open, we get what we want, but we're reasonable, okay? We, we need to be reasonable because this is our country that we're talking about. Now, Hakeem Jeffries, um, he, he says, House Democrats remain willing to find common ground on an enlightened path forward. What the heck? Are we going to have him as speaker? I mean, is that, is that where we're heading? I just, I'm really uh, kind of blown away by all of this and continually disappointed, disappointed in how the federal government and state governments are going after Donald Trump, disappointed in that apparently you're no longer allowed to ask simple questions like, can we have a recount? You used to be able to do that. Hillary Clinton was totally fine if we needed to do that this time around. Remember, she was she was all about that because in August of 2020, she was telling everyone, if it's close, hang on for dear life. You're not allowed to do this anymore. I mean, unless you're a Democrat. Here she is. You know, Joe Biden should not concede under any circumstances because I think this is going to drag out. And eventually, I do believe he will win if we don't give an inch. You see that? If we don't give an inch, that's what Washington is about. They don't care about you. They don't care if your schools 
aren't functioning. They don't care if no one is proficient in math in the city of Baltimore. They really don't care. As long as the unions are getting their way, that's what the Democrats are about. I, and, and all of these people just, it's, it's our way or the highway. So there is no compromise. There's no willingness to work with each other. I mean, heck, remember like Gingrich and Clinton? I mean, <laughs> do, do, do I even have to bring that up? I mean, after we watch Hillary, but Gingrich forced forced Clinton to do some things that were very, very necessary, and we balanced our budget at that time. Do we have anyone like that today? What do you think? I'm going to go back out to the comments here because this is really and truly a a new moment in time, a new moment in time, and we've continued to get these new moment in times. I don't love them. I'm distressed at the lack of gravitas at the lack of sort of willing to willingness to to do the right thing moody's investors service it's the only remaining major credit grader to give the us a top rating it warned in late april forgive me september that its confidence in the us is wavering because of concerns about governance obviously I mean, we can't govern ourselves. Heck, we've got a former president who was indicted twice, another historical moment there, indicted twice. And now we've got, well, I mean, how many lawsuits? I'm losing track. I mean, the biggies, right, about January 6th, there's four of those. I mean, well, well, forgive me, not just January 6th. You have other things as well, right, like the, the recount. I mean, again, the Democrats have done this. They have asked for recounts. They've had other groups of electors ready to go. They did it back in the 60s, right, in Hawaii, in the Nixon-Kennedy election. I mean, this is, it's not like it's unprecedented, and yet we're running wild. We're, we're, we're making up stuff. you got a prosecutor there, an AG in New York, whose entire political career is dependent on going after Trump, and she's got big money backing her to do so. Watch this little soundbite clip of, Letitia James, because again, this, you wonder why we're not governable right now when stuff like this is happening. And what would you say to people who say, she's hard to hear. I'm not going to bother to register to vote. She's doing a little interview with somebody. Or I'm just one person. I say one, I say one name. Donald Trump. That should motivate you. Get off your ass and vote. Will you you sue him for us? Oh, we're going to definitely sue him. We're going to be a real pain in the ass. I know my name personally. I love it. He probably does already. He built his wealth off the backs of New Yorkers. We need to focus on Donald Trump and his abuses. We need to follow his money. We need to find out where he's laundered money. All of those transactions have happened here in New York City. Tell this president and every other individual that no one is above the law. I said the bottom line is that president... I have to fast forward this because it's got some music and uh, YouTube does not allow us to have the music in it. But, you know, it's kind of more of the same. And then uh, she comes out with more. Running for attorney general because I will never be afraid to challenge this illegitimate president when our fundamental rights are at stake. A legal system where even the most powerful in the country cannot use a loophole to evade justice. 
We must do our job to ensure that the man currently occupying the Oval Office is held accountable to any and everything he has done. Yeah, see, this is this is all she talks about, right? So she, she's going to try every which way you can. Again, I'm looking at some of your comments right now and people are talking about, oh, okay, who else could it be? I, I know you don't like McCarthy, guys. I You know, I didn't either, but I don't like being in this position. All right, let me just be completely completely frank about where we're heading. And my priority is making sure that the United States of America remains the strongest, financially strongest, economically strongest, militarily the strongest nation on earth with, by the way, the most opportunity for anyone here in this country. And my fear increasingly Again, as we look at all these downgrades from the rating agencies and interest rates going up, is that we are losing our place in the world. And as we lose our place in the world, we will lose our standard of living. We will lose our opportunities. And you're going to be left with a team of, wow, corrupt leftist communists trying to run it all. Until it doesn't work, because you see, they've tried this before. I mean, you can go back in history. They've tried it all over the world. It never works. It never works. Okay, let's talk names. Who could possibly fill this? I don't think McCarthy should do it. I'm sorry he tried 15, it took 15 rounds, right, to get him in there in the first place. Now he's not there anymore. He could technically still run, but I think that ship has sailed. And we need to think outside the box, we need somebody smart. We need somebody who can bring Republicans together and, by the way, do what needs to be done to snuff out any kind of potential corruption that exists. And by potential corruption, you know I'm talking about the impeachment inquiry that needs to move forward. One of you I see in the comments mentioned Byron Donalds, and I, I think that's an interesting choice. His name is not out there in the media circles right now, but we should talk about him. He's 44 years old. He's from the Naples, Florida district, uh, a really smart guy. And I say that because I've interviewed him. He came on the show. I'll have to replay the interview. And we spoke for maybe 40 minutes or so. And I was blown away because I don't normally have people who understand anything about markets or anything financial or can have a a meaningful conversation about this $33 trillion in debt. So Byron Donald's He gets it. He's a former financial advisor, so he's kind of steeped in this. I remember him telling me how growing up he was just fascinated by the stock market and he wanted to learn everything he could about investing. And I'm like, yes, this is what we we need people who understand money, who don't just think this is one big giant fight all the time, but understand the importance of our credit rating, understand the importance of paying our bills, and understand things like, yeah, you know, $24 billion going to Ukraine, thank you very much. That's a lot of money, especially when you're only talking about 12 going to U.S. disaster relief. $24 billion to Ukraine, it's a lot of money. They, if, if they were to succeed in getting this through, you know what it would mean? Somewhere around $135 billion for the year. Now, the problem there... And no one wants to admit this in Washington. In fact, in fact, oh, one of the guys today, John Kirby, over at the Pentagon, is trying to pretend 
that somehow there is no problem with corruption. Let me see if I can play this for you guys, because it's really kind of annoying. He's trying to pretend that there is no issue with corruption in Ukraine, that the money is going to all the appropriate places. It's definitely not. In fact, we've lost well, we've probably fired two defense secretaries over there along with deputies. Why? Because there's so much graft. They're taking the money and they're sending it to Dubai. All right. So that's not cool. Like if we're going to try and help them, then they got to actually do the right thing and not waste our taxpayer dollars. Let me share this with you. Let's watch here. John Kirby trying to explain this away. And then on your first question, still no indication that there's been any kind of widespread corruption or, or inappropriate use of U.S. capabilities. As a matter of fact, I don't know who that asked me before about expenditure rates, but, I mean, oftentimes the stuff that's getting to Ukraine, it, it's going hand to mouth. I mean, you know, a matter of days before some stuff gets there, and then a matter of days more before it's being used on the battlefield. Not, not every system, of course, but the Ukrainians are in a very active fight. They're using the stuff that's being provided to them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're squandering some of it, too. So regardless of what you feel about Russia and Ukraine and everything, like, let's just talk money, okay? $135 billion is a lot of money. And it's all going over there. And we think, theoretically, it's going to a good place. No, no, no. It's not, actually, because there is so much corruption. And they can try and pretend there's none, just like they try and pretend Bidenomics is working. But we know the truth. And the reason the last two deputy as well as defense secretaries in Ukraine were fired was because of all this theft. The money is not going where it's supposed to go, and you're dealing with a very corrupt place. I mean, not to say we're any better, right? I mean, that's what that's what really gets me. Like, how are we any better when, in fact, Burisma, the Ukrainian energy company, fossil fuel company, by the way, natural gas company. It's not like this was some kind of green energy thing that they all love. Well, they are employing or were employing the vice president's son and paying him oodles of money. He collected some $11 million per an NBC report off of Ukraine. He, he collected a lot of money and apparently spent it extremely fast. So he was getting paid and it was seen as protection money. And both the New York Times and the LA Times in 2019 came out with pieces when they talked about what actually was going on in Ukraine. Because remember, Trump was impeached over it again. When they talked about it, they said, oh, it's quite commonplace for Eastern European countries like Ukraine to hire family members of administration officials as a kind of protection. And I'm like, what? then how are we any different? Then we're just as corrupt, right? I mean, that is a problem. And we know that there's a lot of money that was going from Burisma, from Ukraine, into Rosemont Seneca Bohai. That would, that would be the company owned by the president's son. So there's corruption in Ukraine and clearly here. The question is how deep does this corruption go? That's what we need to know. Indeed, right? I mean, and so we need the next Speaker of the House to be someone who's going to fight for us, who's going to be realistic, who can add and knows that one plus one is two, right? 
<laughs> can, can we get anybody that can do math? Like that would be refreshing. So um, I, I agree with you on, on Byron Donald's, the person that recommended him. He, he would certainly be very interesting. Very interesting. And, you know, perhaps there are others, but I, I don't want to see a Democrat in there. I mean, is that, I, I can't imagine that would happen. But you see, we're in a state of chaos right now that we really shouldn't be in. And this is why. This is why, interestingly enough, I think the fall of Rome started trending recently. And you say, why? Like, do you think about the fall of the Roman Empire a lot? I've told you before, guys, I do. I, I, I do because, <laughs> you know, I, I actually, I sit in my spare time and think about these weird things like, you know, tax policy and budgets and how much money we're spending. And, and I worry that the U.S. is on a very, very, very bad trajectory and there's no willingness from anyone to stop it, right? Because you look at the Democrat Party, which used to be the anti-war party, but now suddenly all these, these, these politicians are getting lots and lots of money from a lot of these companies, right? The lobbying money that goes into fortifying their campaigns. And so they're also trying to help the companies that help them, and they're simultaneously trying to keep jobs in their communities. So, you know, if Lockheed has a plant somewhere, well, they want all those people to be doing well. They're at Lockheed, et cetera. So there's so many sort of perverse interests. So we have way too much money that we're spending on military expeditions around the world that we really can't afford. And what would be smart is to be more judicious and thoughtful about it, right? Because the next military battle is not going to be fought like we're seeing in Ukraine. It's going to be fought in a very different way, in a very sort of cyber way. So whether or not we're up on our cybersecurity, I don't have a good feeling about it. I don't think we're we're doing what we need to do. All we're doing is spending money to spend money, which is why you got to think about inflation in the future. You just do. I think it's 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 going to continue to hit us. And even best case scenario, they're looking at, you know, two and a half percent. They want two percent. That's what the Fed is shooting for. I'm telling you, over time, that deteriorates the value of your dollar, my dollar. So all of a sudden, everything becomes more expensive. Now, do wages keep up with it? Mm-mm. No, which is why the standard of living gets sacrificed. Now, you have to have two people working in a family in order to enjoy some of the same benefits and standard of living that you would have had, say, back in the 1950s. So that's what inflation does. It erodes everything away. I guess another quick uh, shameless shout out to our wonderful sponsor, by the way, Legacy Precious Metals, because Legacy Precious Metals uh, has been the sponsor of this show from the beginning. They know how I feel about this stuff. And, and, you know, full disclosure, I'm not giving any investment advice, but gold is a part of my portfolio. And the reason it is, is because I worry about these sorts of things. I showed some of you this recently. So for those of you that have seen it, weigh in on the comments. Let me know what you think. Forgive the fact that the guy's a little shirtless. I guess his wife caught him in a little compromised position there. But this whole TikTok Roman Empire thing's been going on on social media. And and a lot of women are saying to their husbands, do you ever think about this? And and this particular wife got got quite an earful. But I love it because he's so spot on. Listen. Do you ever think about the Roman Empire? All the time. Why? What are you, what are you thinking about it? Well, because we're in those times right now. Everybody's preoccupied with sports, movies, 
work, you know. What was it you said about bread? Well, all right, the common people, Roman Empire said that everybody was equal, everybody had a chance. Uh -huh. But it wasn't. The rich got richer and the poor got poor. And they worried constantly about people rioting. Uh-huh. Because they knew that the common man, the common people, uh -huh. could take over at any time. So they would bring them into the Colosseums, and they would give them free grain. They would give them bread. They would give them wine, whatever they needed, to fill their bellies and block their minds from what they were angry about. They would watch plays. They would watch fights with the gladiators, sometimes for months on end. Huh. And that's where we're at right now. And I think about it all the time because so many people are preoccupied with their favorite football team, their favorite actor, actress, singer, and they they just don't even think about what's being taken away from them. As long as their bellies are full and they're happy with what's going on, they just let it continue. Wow. <laughs> wow. So it's, he's right. He's He's right. I really don't care about Taylor Swift and her new boyfriend, by the way. Apparently, there was like a huge ratings increase in the game the other night because all the Swifties were watching. They're like, oh, it's great. We have all these teenage girls watching football. I really don't care. But anyway, he's right. Like, everybody gets distracted by nonsense. Let's talk again about some of the potential replacements right now for Kevin McCarthy. And I'm going to just say it. You know what? I'm sorry he went down. But please don't come back at this point. It took 15 times to get you there. You've been voted out. Enough is enough. All right? Like, we actually need, we need to win, folks. We need to win. Okay? So here's the list. We can talk about all of them. Steve Scalise, who you know, of course, um, he's uh, in the running. He said in the past he, he doesn't want it, but he he's up there. I think he's got a, a, some popular appeal. Uh, Tom Emmer is another one uh, that is being talked about. He's the House Republican whip, and he um, has been talked about in the past. Uh, possibly he could capture Jim Jordan. Jim Jordan, he's head of the House Judiciary Committee. He is, of course, some, somebody who's been right out in front of this entire impeachment inquiry. He might be very interesting. That would be one to watch, Jim Jordan. I mentioned Byron Donalds. I, I like the guy because he's smart. By the way, Jim Jordan was an economics major. A lot of people don't know that. He was an economics major. I'm telling you guys, we need people who understand the economy, who understand markets, who, who have a clue. So Jim Jordan, economics major, Byron Donalds, who again was a former financial advisor and understands the economy. He's another good one to watch for. There's Patrick McHenry, um, the possible he's chair of the House Financial Services Committee. He is now the interim House Speaker. And then uh, some of you are wondering about Donald Trump. Um, so that would be interesting, right? I think Gates voted for Trump during all those rounds and the multiple rounds we had back in January. It took 15 rounds, as I said, to get... McCarthy confirmed as House Speaker. Well, um, historically, the House has always elected one of its own as Speaker. But the U.S. Constitution does not say that the job actually has to go to an elected member. Ha ha. All right. Interesting. 
So given that there's no constitutional requirement that it must go to a member of the House, there are some Republicans that are floating this idea that it could be former President Donald Trump saying, you know, saying he might be able to be in that role. I I think the only problem with that is, is he's going to be he's going to be the nominee, right? And so if he takes on that, then it makes being the nominee harder. He is the front runner for 2024. And he's previously said, look, I'm not interested. I'm going to be your next president. Like he's got bigger aspirations than Speaker of the House. So I, I get that it's an entertaining thing to think about, but probably a non-starter. Hakeem Jeffries is the Democrat. So he is right now the House Minority Leader. And... um Stranger things have happened. We don't want that. Okay, we don't want that. And uh, now Kevin McCarthy, I think at this point is done for absolutely done for. So, you know, maybe there's some good names in there. I mean, my money would be on on Byron Donalds or on Jim Jordan at this point. I think, again, I am somebody who cares so passionately about our economy. I'd like to see people that have a clue on economic issues. And so that would be, that would be the, the probably the best opportunity. Again, going back out to some of these comments, because again, guys, this is totally unprecedented. It's never happened before in the history of this great nation. We have never had the speaker of the house get tossed. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a new, it's a new era and it will come with a certain, kind of consequence. You saw the market trade down 430 points. Now, normally I might say, okay, it's an interesting opportunity to maybe look at equities again. Unfortunately, I think that you're going to see a lot more headwinds in terms of economic pain, in terms of market pain, as we try and balance out everything that's going on in Joe Biden's messed up Bidenomics economy. It's a bad set of facts that we have. I mean, maybe good if you're if you're looking at investing in treasuries because you're you're getting more of a yield there. Um, I just want to see, you know, Steve Scalise yet Kerry saying. I mean, it, it would be interesting with Steve Ken Paxton. Broken Profit is talking about Trump. I, I told you guys. I mean, the the Trump thing is interesting and it's kind of fun to talk about. But he's he's running for president. And he may just become president, right? And so I think he's not going to want to get swayed by all of this nonsense. We have a lot of work to do right now. So they've got to find a way to really coalesce around each other, to be smart, to be thoughtful, and to outmaneuver the Democrats. Because the Democrats are, are, are willing to outmaneuver them. You saw Hillary Clinton. Sorry, guys. I know you're like, oh, did I really have to watch it again? But you need to understand the point or, or consider Nancy Pelosi literally just saying this the other day. I mean, it's like they're just talking out of one side of their mouth doing something else. I couldn't believe it when I heard her say this. I couldn't believe it. She's so angry that the House is, is, is proceeding forward with this House in, impeachment inquiry against Joe Biden that she actually said this. Just think about this and keep in the back of your mind that Donald Trump was impeached twice. But you, if you have a difference of opinion, you just can't be impeaching, impeaching. On the other hand, this is a fake distraction, as you say. 
Vladimir Putin uh, mm. has obviously your friend, <laughs> your friend and mine. Uh, yes, indeed. He has uh, intervened in our election in the past. Right. It's not something, as you experienced firsthand, it's not something we talk about a lot. Do you fear that that is something that could be happening for 2024? And do you think we should be talking about it more? Well, I think we should be talking about it more because I don't think, despite all of the uh, you know, deniers, uh, there's any doubt that he interfered in our election or that he has interfered in many ways in uh, the uh, internal affairs of other countries, funding political parties, funding, you know, political candidates, uh, buying off, uh, you know, government officials in different places. <laughs> All right. So you see where they're going. And this is why I'm telling you, you got to be prepared. We need to be a united force because what they're talking about here is that <laughs> he's Vladimir Putin is ready to interfere in our election again and, and steal our election because he stole the election from her. Can I just say something? Of course he's trying to interfere. What do you think he would do? What do you think we do? We interfere everywhere. We're always trying to have some influence around the world. That is what we do and what we've always do, really going back to the days of World War I, right? And certainly in post-World War II, we interfere a lot. And we, we sometimes get it really wrong. We put in really dumb regimes that, that screw things up. Or we think to ourselves, oh, maybe, maybe we should be fighting in Iraq when we really shouldn't have been fighting in Iraq, right? Like we've done a lot of dumb stuff because we're out there intervening all the time. And that is what we do and is what other countries do as well. I mean, that's what China does here. So you got to be thoughtful about the TikTok stuff and you got to be thoughtful about what they might be doing on social media. I mean, that is just reality, okay? Like let's let's get used to that. Did Vladimir Putin steal the election? I mean, Hillary Clinton would tell you so. That's why she says we had an illegitimate president. And they're going to try and tell you that, again, this whole impeachment thing is nothing but misinformation, courtesy of the Russians. It's what they told us about the Hunter Biden laptop, for goodness sakes, which turned out to be oh, all true, right? Like They tried to say that that was fake. It wasn't really his laptop. They said that. I mean, you want to talk election interference? Right ahead of the election, former deputy director of the CIA coming out along with 50 other ex-spies all saying stuff like this. And now this is like some kind of fake. I got to watch it again. I got to watch it again. Nancy Pelosi. But you, if you have a difference of opinion, you just can't be impeaching, impeaching. On the other hand, this is a fake distraction, as you said. You can't be impeaching, impeaching. Of course, if you're the Democrats, you did impeach and impeach again. Right. That's exactly what they did. They wanted to impeach from the very beginning. I spent a lot of time looking at these financial documents. I have a background, of course, as I said, in finance and also in financial reporting and have done some work on terrorist financing, et cetera. I have looked at money laundering, all of these things. This does not look good to me. I'm not saying anything. I mean, these are all allegations right now, but I don't like the way this stuff looks in terms of Hunter Biden. He's trying to plead not guilty now. 
to his, what, 2.2 some odd million dollars that he didn't pay in taxes. Let's let Gary Shapely remind us of how much he didn't pay in taxes. The son of the president, the president who wants us all to pay more in taxes, by the way, and is hiring 80,000 IRS agents to make sure we do. Gary Shapley was a lead IRS supervisory agent in Operation Sportsman, the investigation into Hunter Biden. Shapley said he uncovered conduct that warranted more serious charges. There were personal expenses that were taken as business expenses. Prostitutes, sex club memberships, hotel rooms for purported drug dealers. How much did Hunter Biden owe in taxes? So from 2014 to 2019, it was $2.2 million. Two of the great artists of our time representing the groundbreaking legacy of hip-hop in America, LLJ Cool J. Uh, (laughs) By the way, that boy's got... That man's got biceps bigger than my thighs. I think he's... Uh, Okay, I I didn't mean to play that extra one for you. We were just going to go with the IRS, you know, and on the two-plus million dollars that Hunter Biden is now saying not guilty, that he's not guilty to any kind of... Not to the gun charges, tax charges, he's suing the IRS, you name it. But by the way, just so long as we saw it, that's the guy. That's the guy that really stands up for minorities who calls a 55-year-old enormously successful musician who's black boy. I mean, he does it a lot. He's done it before. We've seen it. I mean, he called one of his FEMA directors, boy, on a call earlier this year. I found three or four times just so far this year that he's used that verbiage. I mean, come on. And you want to tell me that's the guy that's going to promote minorities and equality? I don't think so. We got real problems here. So... Given the real problems, given that we no longer have Kevin McCarthy as Speaker of the House, given that I'm an optimist, I want us to move on. I want us to be smart. I want us to put somebody in there who understands how to add and subtract and multiply and divide. I want somebody who cares about policy and who cares about our pocketbooks. So this will be an interesting time, an interesting time for America, a very unprecedented time. Please make sure, if you have not subscribed already, do me that favor. Subscribe to this channel, to my Facebook page, to YouTube, to Rumble. Make sure you go and subscribe to the podcast over on Apple Podcasts. And if you're there and you're feeling generous, give it five stars and a review. It all helps. We got a lot ahead of us, America. We'll talk some more tomorrow. Thanks for watching, as always.